Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Would you turn with me in your Bibles, please? We turn to chapter 6 of Daniel. Go to the 6th chapter of Daniel. Hope you brought your Bibles. We're encouraging you to bring your Bibles. We want to kind of bring the Bibles back to the church again. So uh, I know you can look it up in devices and that works, but we do encourage so you can mark it, you can write it, you can go back home, you can have pages to flip and turn. Encourage you to do that. Daniel chapter 6, we're going to be reading from that passage in just a moment. Again, welcome to all those visiting with us, and we trust that you're able to feel at home here amongst our family. A couple of weeks back, I was sharing a story of a guy by the name of Honey. He lived, he was a sage about 100 years prior to the coming of Christ. And the circle maker was the story that we shared, and it was Honey where he prayed hard when they were in a time of drought. What I didn't share was something that happened towards the end of Honey's life. I want to share that this morning to start us off. Honey, towards the end of his life, he was an old man by now. He was walking down a dirt road when he saw a man planting a carob tree. Always the inquisitive sage, Honey questioned him, How long will it take for this tree to bear fruit? He asked. The man replied, Oh, about 70 years. And Honey said, are you quite sure you will live another 70 years to enjoy its fruit? The man said, perhaps not. But when I was born into this world, I found many carob trees that I enjoyed the fruit of because they had been planted by my father and my grandfather. And so just as they planted trees that they didn't enjoy, but I enjoy, I am now planting trees for my children and my children's children to enjoy the fruit. And this incident led to the insight that changed the way Honey would pray. In that moment of revelation, Honey would pray and realize that prayer is also planting. And so I wanted to use that maybe as our theme, our title today, is Prayer is Planting. Prayer is planting. Uh, Each prayer goes like a seed into the ground. It's planted. It disappears. When you plant a seed, you don't see it anymore. It goes beneath the surface. It disappears. But eventually the seed will come forth, and eventually that which comes forth will bear fruit to what it was intended to bear fruit for. In fact, our prayers, different than the planting's of vegetation, our prayers will bear fruit forever and ever. They don't have a timeline on it. Our prayers bear fruit long beyond the generations that immediately are in the time of our praying. Our prayers really don't die. They just bear fruit. Each prayer takes on a life. Each prayer takes on eternal life, if you would, becomes life of its own. You and I, if we were to see the bigger picture, I know for myself, 
my picture, I see some of it. I know that my life has been impacted by the prayers that were invested into my life. Yes, my mother, my father who prayed for me. Yes, grandparents that have prayed and family members that have prayed. But it's also been some Sunday school teachers that have prayed for me. Pastors and youth pastors that have prayed for me. It has been colleagues that have prayed. It's been a wife that has prayed. It's been kids that have been praying. My life is a life. It's been congregations that have prayed. It is a result of prayer. God has moved through the hand of prayer to impact me. I know that. And not just in this nation, but one of the things I have seen in a very tangible way is when I entered into going on trips overseas, not just for tourism, but to do the work of the Lord, when we go on a mission trip and we pray for them and we enter into agreements that they would pray for us, I have experienced the power in my family of hundreds. I did a calculation a little while ago. It probably would be over a 1,000 people from another land praying for us and for our congregation. I've seen the fruit of that. There have been things happen that defy what's actually happening. And it's not just that we prayed for that. It's bigger than just us praying for it. You knew there was prayer power that was beyond us that took place. You knew God was answering other people's prayers. We've seen it in our lives. Prayers outlive you. Praise God for that. That's a good time to say amen. Prayers outlive you. Amen. I put this, I thought it would be worth you writing this one down. Prayer is the inheritance we receive and the legacy we leave. Hmm. Isn't that good? You can write that one down if you want. If you get the notes, you got it. Prayer is the inheritance we receive and the legacy we leave. You know, on Wednesday mornings, every Wednesday morning, the staff at Cornerstone Church, we get together and before we do anything else, we pray. We don't just pray for the meeting. As a matter of fact, we pray very little for the meeting. We have directory, and we have many of your faces on the directory. And by the way, if you are part of Cornerstone Church, we ask, make sure you fill in that information card so you can get into our directory. We don't pass the directory out. We use that just for our elders and our staff. But we put that before us, and we pray by name. And if we know anything about your situation, anything about your family, but what's going on, we add that and we pray for that. And it's really cool when we begin to see over and over God answering prayer. We saw something kind of cool this past week in our youth meeting. And I know I have some of the youth here with us. In our youth meeting last Thursday, we've been praying. We've been trying to, trying to edge it up a little bit, the prayer times. And the week before, we had taken down. Everybody had to have a personal request. We couldn't pray, you know for something, someone else. We had to say something personal. And, and I find that hard because I'm so used to praying for everybody else. When somebody says, what can I pray for you? It's like, hmm. And then it's like, mm, let me think, let me think. Um, so we did that, all of us. We did that. And then we turned, we had to pray for the person on our left that week. And so we went around, we prayed for the person on our left. So this week we were picking it up again. And, and I was taking those prayers and I give those to the prayer lamps. And so on Wednesday morning, the prayer lamps pray for those. So they, you guys are getting a big list these days because that's flowing out of Thursday, the Thursday before. 
So I was kind of going back, and I, I mentioned the first youth that the week before we had prayed for. I mentioned their name, and I said, we had prayed for this. And that person piped up and said, oh, by the way, here's the result. And they told us the result. I mean, it was amazing. And I thought, that's really cool. Thank you. We went to the next one, and the next one said, here's the result of that. And then we went the next and the next, and the whole thing, they each began to talk about how God had answered prayer. As I went around, I hadn't planned for that. I was just trying to, I was just going to mention the first one so we could get it started again. But we ended up going all the way around, and we listened to how God answers prayer. Now, sometimes he answers immediately, and we know he will answer later. But God is a God who delights when we pray. He asks us to. He says, you received not because what? Finish it. Because you don't ask. So ask. And so we had gone around the group. And, you know, when we started into the prayer that day, so we had to pick up a new thing. We had to pray for something new, and we prayed for the person on our right. And we went the other way. And we went around the group, and we prayed. But you know there was a bit more excitement when we were praying the second week because we had just heard the answers to the first week. So a little bit more excitement when you begin to pray the second time. I want to say prayer is investing investing in something ahead. It's planting a seed. So prayer is the inheritance we receive, the legacy we leave. We pray as a staff. I've come to a conviction when in meetings, when I have meetings, we start with prayer, whether they be a meeting with the person, with the couple, or with the group. We start with prayer because my conviction is, is one prayer can accomplish more than a hundred of our plans. One prayer can accomplish more. We need to pray. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel was a man of prayer. We pick it up in verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, and it was a decree that they were to stop praying to Jehovah God. When the decree had been published, Daniel went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, according to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 9, we know that Jerusalem wouldn't be rebuilt during Daniel's time. Jerusalem was a project. It was, it was going to be rebuilt, but Daniel wouldn't see the benefit of Jerusalem rebuilding. Jerusalem was just in shambles when Daniel is talking. I mean, it really isn't even in existence. For all intents and purposes, it had been annihilated from the history books. Jerusalem was a has-been city. But Daniel would get down on his knees at the window and would pray as was his routine. Three times a day he would pray toward Jerusalem. Because Daniel knew, Daniel knew that there was something beyond the physical eyes. He could see something, not with his physical eyes, he could see something with his spirit. He could see something, and he prayed towards it. Daniel knew the prophet Jeremiah. Daniel was a contemporary of Jeremiah. Jeremiah had prayed that Jerusalem would be restored 70 years after its annihilation, and Jeremiah would not live to see it. Daniel wouldn't live to see it. That was back. They would outlive a promise, outlive a prophecy. But they prayed God may it be fulfilled. Sometimes we just think God's going to do what He's going to do and we have no part in it. Listen, you don't know the God of the Bible if you believe that. 
because God has asked us to partner with him in the answers to what he desires to do. He says, I give you the keys. I give you the keys to the kingdom. What you pray, what you bind, what you agree upon. You release something. You release something in the spiritual realm when you in the physical realm do that. The Son of Man, who was the Son of God, had to combine that in order to accomplish the purpose that we might know God again. And so God still requires, the Son of Man still requires for us, mankind, to join in prayer, to join in agreement to see what God needs to do. We need to believe that. We need to know that prayer matters. So last week we were talking about praying hard. The week before we were talking about praying big. And today I'm talking about prayer is planting. Because we have to become convinced that, because we have to ratchet it up, I think. We have to ratchet it up. And that the reason I know we have to ratchet it, is, it up is because I'm looking around, I'm going, I need to see more answers to prayer. I need to see more results to the things that we're believing in. We talk about it, but do we believe it? Last night we were praying, and two things, we came against the enemy. We came against the enemy of discouragement. And discouragement comes in through when you've been disappointed. You've been praying for something and you're disappointed. It didn't turn out the way you thought it would. It's just seeming to get worse. And so you become discouraged and it stops, it stalls your prayer life. And we prayed against that. We just said, okay, I, I repent, God, for allowing. You know, when discouragement, I said, when discouragement, when you open the door for discouragement, when you open that door, discouragement comes in and then sticks his big old ugly foot in your door and invites his friends in. And his friends, number one is anger. Because now you start getting angry. You get angry at God because he's not doing it. You might not say it because you're afraid what that might look like, but you are angry. You're angry at the church. You're angry at the pastor or at a Christian brother or sister. You could be angry at a spiritual mentor or coach. There's anger. Anger comes on in when discouragement is there. Uh, fear comes in too. Fear, fear's quite readily to go inside your house and causing you, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. So you're not sleeping well. You're fretting. You're fretting. You're fretting. Guess what? Who's in your house? Guarantee it's not God. It's fear. You've let fear in. And you've also let control in. Control is quite willing to get in there. Control wants to manipulate things now. Instead of trusting God, you're trying to manipulate circumstances. And it doesn't work out well. So we need to repent of that. The second thing we talked about was discouragement, but we also talked about delay. And what, what will stall your prayers is when prayers have been delayed, when they've been delayed. And, and uh, we, we, we get weary in doing good, and so we quit. Or we slow down, we step back, and 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 I think there's there's a human side to this. I get it because we don't want to get hurt. We're we're a little too vulnerable when I'm praying and believing and I don't see it. Then I feel really vulnerable and I feel that I'm going to be hurt. So I pull back so I don't get so hurt. Isn't that what we do in relationships all the time? You 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 keep superficial relationships because if you get really close, potentially you can get really hurt. The power of love in a relationship is the power of getting close. And it can deeply, deeply hurt you. So in order not to have, in order not to love deeply, just keep people at arm's length. In order not to have a true experience in church and to have fellowship in the body of Christ, come once in a while to church. 
Come in late, leave early, and don't commit yourself to church. And that way the church won't hurt you. I guarantee you the church won't be a partner when you're going through situations and you need somebody to stand with you, somebody to help carry your burden, somebody to be there. You know, if you're going to love deep, you're going to get hurt deep, but it's okay. Because God will heal the hurt and you can continue to love deep. Hey, man, anybody want to agree with that? Listen, you got, you got to step out and you got to risk it. It requires risk. If you're going to play it, if you're going to play it safe, the whole game's safe, you will never come into deep fellowship. There's an expression I was using last night. God, my desires, I want to climb higher in you. And in order to climb higher in you, i got to climb over the difficulties to get higher in you. It's the difficulties that are going to get me there. If you're looking for the great by and by and the sweetness of the Lord, it's many of the difficulties that you got to press through, be vulnerable, risk it, and be hurt and wounded in the process of finding there is God. He is in the midst of the difficulty. And I press deeper into his spirit. I, if, if things are getting bad, I go to church more. If things are getting more difficult, I pray more. When things are becoming more tedious in the home, I bring in my friends and say, would you stand with my home in prayer with me instead of going quietly and licking your wounds. Church, the enemy loves when you just go off our own way. And so discouragement and delays Put a pause. And then we look around and we say, oh, well, I guess we just, you know, we have to keep pressing through until the end. Well, we do have to keep pressing through. But God hasn't meant for that to make it to the end as one who was surviving. But I really believe God wants you to get to the end triumphant in the things of the Lord. And so when we are planting, we talk about praying big. We talk about praying hard. But now planting the seeds of prayer. What an what amazing example Daniel is of somebody who knew that that wasn't going to be in his day, but he was going to believe it, and he was going to press through, not, not with a half heart, but with everything in him. He was going to press through for what God... You know, Daniel was thinking not in terms of a few years or a few decades. He wasn't even thinking in terms of a few centuries. He was thinking millennial. If you continue to read the book of Daniel, we don't have time today. If you continue to read... It's one of the best prophetic books there is on end times. You read towards the end of Daniel. Daniel wasn't praying for a few years ahead. He was praying for millennials ahead. Now, he didn't know it was going to be millennials. But he was praying for millennials. His prayers, Daniel's prophecies, were the seeds of your and my salvation today. They planted the seeds of salvation. We are reaping the blessings. And they continue to be seeds to the first and second coming of Christ. His prayers speak of the tribulation. His prayers speak of the return of the Lord. When the final bell is called, his prayers spoke into that when Daniel began to pray. So when Daniel went up and he faced Jerusalem, he was doing all that, that's not an innocent moment. It's a strategic moment that began to change the paradigms of future decades in history. And Daniel just kept on praying. He prayed big. He prayed hard. He's thinking long-term. He wasn't looking to Babylon just for restoration. He was thinking it's long-term. Daniel knew his prayers would not be in his lifetime. He prayed, though, with a sense of urgency. Urgency. So when we pray against sickness, we pray with that same sense of urgency. But what that's going to do for the next 10 years, maybe 50 years, 100 years. It's not just 
now. It's not just a quick release. It's not a relief from pain. It's not to give another year or two or five or ten. It's bigger than that. We pray we're planting something beyond that. We pray for our children. We mark our children in prayer. It's not just that they come to Jesus so that we can all share Jesus together. It's marking generations that we have no idea. It's marking people going into the ministry that we had no idea. It's marking those who are going to be evangelists and pastors and prophets and apostles who will go out and do the work of missionary work. We have no idea the things that are released. We just want families saved. We want them to make it to heaven. But what begins to set in motion is way beyond the things that we could even begun to imagine. So keep praying. Keep marking your prayers. Keep marking your prayers. We live in a culture, I put this down for you to have, we live in a culture that overvalues 15 minutes of fame and undervalues lifelong faithfulness. And we got we to reverse that a bit here as believers in Jesus. So I want to share three things. Here we go. If we're going to plant through our prayers, number one, it's going to probably require some sleepless nights. Some sleepless nights. You know, I was thinking, if you go a little bit later in this chapter, because Daniel did this prayer, he got thrown into the lion's den. Into the lion's den, the lions are big, ugly, and hungry. Lions are one of the most feared predators of the day. Today, you know, I've seen a lion in a zoo. That's about as close as I want, as close as I've been. There are countries where lions are still feared, but for the most part, we have guns, we have bow and arrows, we have stuff to deal with them if that's a threat. But back then, the lions were the predators. The lions, the lions took out families. They took out villages. The lions took out your children. And, and so lions were feared, and, and when you throw it in a lion's den, I mean, that was a nasty moment for most people. He's thrown into the lion's den, and uh, I have to think it probably was one, to, one of the longest nights in Daniel's life. I know I've seen stories where, you know, God closed the mouths of the lions, and, and Daniel and the lions are sleeping, you know, nestled into each other. I honestly don't believe that for a minute. I don't believe that for a minute. That's an artist taking their liberty. I believe... Daniel was at the other end of the den at all times. And I, I mean, lions probably have really nasty breath, too. Uh, think about what they eat. And uh, I, he was likely, it was likely a fairly sleepless night. I don't know, but I'm going to suggest that the night was long, and uh, he probably pulled an all-nighter. Here's, I guess, the point I'm trying to make. Some of the longest nights of my life were sleepless nights when those dear to me needed my prayers. When we were up praying for our son when we didn't know where he was, those were some sleepless nights. When there was times when there were those that were dear to us, loved ones or people we knew, and they were in difficult situations, and we couldn't get to sleep. You just needed to pray for them. You needed to get up. You needed to do something. You not ignore it, but you begin to pray. You go on through. You fight through it. You burden with it. The prayer times for those that you are believing for. Many of you, in times in which has been difficult, well, sleepless nights. Daniel had some sleepless nights. You want to pray by planting the prayers. It will require some of your best prayers will take place in the middle of those nights. And that doesn't mean in a literal night. It means in the times where it just in the darkest moments, you just begin to pray 
and you stay at the place of prayer. I mean, I think Lori and I, we've said our kids because of those times, our kids have to be some of the most prayed for kids of this generation because we prayed through. Lori and I would wrap our arms of prayer around them every time these things happened. I guess the question, does your prayer burden today cause any sleeplessness with you? Do you fret? I'm not talking about fretting sleeplessness. I'm talking about prayer sleeplessness. You're actually engaged in prayer. That's what's keeping you up. You are praying. You are petitioning. You are pointing at God's plan, and you're staying with it. Sleepless nights, if you're going to plant prayer planting, often requires some sleepless nights. Secondly, I look at Daniel, I see it requires going to your knees. Daniel didn't just pray when he had a bad day. He prayed every day. He prayed in the good days and the bad days. Sometimes we get real spiritual when things aren't going well. But we need to get real spiritual, period. He didn't just dial 911 when he was in the lion's den. Prayer was a part of the rhythm of his life. We saw that earlier in the chapter, the routine of Daniel. How does a prisoner of war, how does a prisoner, Daniel was taken captive not by his own design. He was taken captive. How does Daniel, who's been been taken captive, become prime minister of a country, the country that took him captive? How does all that happen? Only God can do those kind of things. Don't you just love the detailed description of Daniel's prayer in our text? The Bible says he goes upstairs. He gets down onto his knees. He opens up his window toward Jerusalem. And then he prays, a prayer that's been outlawed. He prays three times. He calls out three times. He calls out his voice to the Lord three times through the window. Why the open window to Jerusalem to pray? I'm sure God, Daniel, think about it. You could just step back a few. You could just maybe close that. You can look through the window, Daniel. Look towards Jerusalem. If you want to look towards Jerusalem, close the window. Don't speak too loudly. Daniel, I mean, what good is it if you're dead? God wants you alive in order for you to continue to prayer. I mean, those would have been some of the arguments I'm sure some would give him. Daniel pointed in the direction of his fulfillment, Jerusalem. It was Daniel's way of staying focused. It was Daniel's way of keeping the dream in front and center. He had to face it. Here, listen to this. Proximity does matter. Proximity matters. It is important for what that is, write it down. It's important to face in the direction of it. It's important when we lay hands. It's proximity matters. Daniel faced toward the promise. He looked. What's he doing? He's, he's visually marking the promise. He's marking it. Beloved, there's something about that. There's something about marking it. There's something about when you go to the place of prayer, you begin to mark that promise. You begin to look toward that promise. You begin to believe towards what God is doing and he's going to do. Daniel looked towards that. It was keeping his dream front and center. Something powerful when you pray this way. Sometimes physical contact creates a spiritual conduit. A conduit. So that's why often when we did the ministries here of cleansing stream, when we would pray for something, we often would write it down. We would put our hands on it. We would have something tangible because it becomes a spiritual conduit. The third thing is Daniel was resolute. If we go back to verse 10, Daniel 10.10, he says, A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Verse 11, he said, Daniel 
You who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Verse 13, But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, who's the archangel, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to you to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Daniel's prayers were heard before the words even passed up through his vocal cords and through the lips. It wouldn't be till the 21st day that he saw the breakthrough, but it had already been set in motion. What if Daniel had quit? What if Daniel had quit any time in between? Pick a day. I guess a question sometimes we've had is, when did the breakthrough actually happen for Daniel? Was it the moment he started to pray? Was it the moment that he prayed through and experienced that angelic breakthrough on day 21? Or perhaps the answer is both. Perhaps at the Genesis, something happened, began, and continued through to the Revelation. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Since the first day that you set your mind... Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Here we see the prayers long been activated. Victory has already been won, yet you've not yet seen the results. Victory's already in place. It's just waiting for the results. It's just like the miracle going around Jericho we talked of a couple of weeks ago. The miracle had begun when they had begun to start to go around Jericho. It's already in the, in the making. When you begin to pray, the miracle's already in the making. It's already in the making. You just stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Keep stimulating it. Keep massaging it. Keep marinating it. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Stay with it. It's not a lack of faith. You are marking it. You are marking it. You are convinced that God is going to do it, and so you're staying with it until you see the result of what God wants to do. We see that true. The story I told a couple of weeks ago with Moses, it was declaring that God would provide meat in the middle of a nowhere No, Moses had no idea, no idea how God was going to supply enough food for all these people. And yet Moses did the one thing he was asked to do. He got up and told the people, here's what God's going to do. That's all Moses was to do. Here's what God's going to do. He's going to give you some meat, guys. He simply tells them the word of the Lord. Be faithful to the word. It will come. But it began when he released it. What about Elijah? We talked of that, where Elijah was on his knees and it's going to rain. And the servant says, I, I see nothing. Elijah says, go back and take another look. look. Look out over the sea. Look again. Well, I see nothing. Well, go back, go back. Keep looking. And over and over, seventh time, I, I think I see a cloud over there. Elijah says, you better get up and start running because now's the fulfillment. We, it happened back when they began to pray, but you stayed with it. You marked it. You kept your eyes focused on what it was that God had stirred your heart towards. For Daniel, it was traced back to the one resolution back in chapter 1, verse 8, where Daniel, it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And I wonder if at the end of the book of Daniel, Daniel would ever look back on his life and wonder how God took him from being that point in chapter 1 all the way to the end of making him prime minister of that nation, how God could ever have brought that into place. Who could have guessed? 
he was resolved to be faithful. Sleepless nights. When you're stirred, get up and start praying. On your knees and face the promise. If you quit facing the promise, face the promise, face the promise. Mark it out, face it. And be resolute. Be resolute before God. Neil Armstrong died August 25th, 2012, at the age of 82. It was July 16th, 1969, that he climbed aboard Apollo 11 on launch pad 39A at the Kennedy Space Center. How many here remember that day? Okay, some of you. The multi-stage rocket weighed 102,907 pounds. It carried a payload of 5,625,000 pounds of propellant. At takeoff, five engines would produce. Did you hear about the rocket that just went out of Texas? They've been trying to send it. It keeps blowing up in space. But uh, 32 engines on that one. It's just, wow, 32 engines. I can't keep my engine running in my car and my Jetta. You know, 32 engines. Okay, let's go. The first one to the moon... Five engines at takeoff, five engines will produce 7,500,000 pounds of thrust in order to exceed the gravitational pull of the planet and reach an escape of velocity of 17,500 miles an hour. That just gets you into orbit. If you travel 17,500 miles an hour taken out, if you want to hit the moon, you actually have to hit 25,000 miles an hour. You got to ramp it up a bit. You got to hit the, you got to put it to the floor. Church, prayer is a way we escape the gravitational pull of the flesh and enter into God's orbit. It's prayer. It's the only way. It's the only way we're going to escape the atmosphere here of limitations that takes us into space. It's the way you overcome our human limitations, and they aren't the answer. It's through prayer. And on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong landed his lunar module, the Eagle, on the moon. Now, the newspapers and the radio did not bring this out, but the first thing they did, we often hear the first thing they did when they landed, they made that great declaration, the eagle has landed. You know, we hear that all the time. But actually what is not as commonly known, the very first thing they did, some of you know what it was, the very first thing they did, they had communion. They had communion. Now, it's there. You can read it, but you have to dig for it. They had communion. The news and the media refused to report it. No surprise there. But that was the first thing they did was celebrate communion. Earlier, the reason the news, NASA decided to black out the communion because they had had an earlier lawsuit, so they blacked it out. Buzz Aldrin, Armstrong's fellow astronaut, Buzz is an active elder in the Presbyterian Church, and... Buzz took with him the communion kit. And so in the one-sixth gravity, the two of them ate bread and drank wine together. Eldred and Armstrong turned at that moment before they got out to the Gospel of John. And they read these words, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to hold that prayer. Prayer. Got to come back to that. 
It must be, I mean, I, I, I think it can't be too hard to dream big when you're sitting at 384,400 kilometers from earth. I mean, you can dream big when you're sitting up there. Imagine having communion up there. I just thought about that for a while. It's just, mm, wouldn't that have been something? Having communion, looking out your window at earth. It must not be hard to pray when you're traveling at 25,000 miles an hour through space. Man, I'd be praying. And it was here that they spoke in terms of planting the seed, knowing that it would come to fruitfulness long after you're gone. It would bear fruit. It would bear fruit. He was resolved to be faithful to God. Sleepless nights, face your prayers, be resolute, be faithful. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.